102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. The phone numbers, you'll need them. 512-834-1027. It's 512-834-1027. Use it. Use that phone thing. Maybe Brandon will pay attention to it. I, I can't promise that I will, but you ought to try it. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this particular week, uh, do so. I'm at Jeff Ward Show. You can also post comments on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week. Just don't suck. Get straight to the point. Bring your A game. Make the show better if you can. That's at Jeff Ward Show. You can also check out the podcast we drop each afternoon. Subscribe to it. And we drop it every single afternoon. You can also subscribe to the Jeff Ward Show on YouTube. Um, That seems to be doing pretty well, even though I look like Shrek sitting in front of a weird wall. But uh, we drop the YouTube show most afternoons as well. So check it out. Subscribe to it. Uh, Oftentimes... Check that every Friday, I think. Uh, one of the things that happens is I'm on an email chain of record executives who, uh, I don't know how I got in there, but it's interesting nonetheless. And they compile this list, almost like a throwaway list of songs over the decades that people hate. No one wants to hear. They're torturous. Um, they tell them the disc jockeys that never played the songs. So what you need to do is you guess the artist. You guess the name of the song and you guess the year, and I call it Songs That Suck and Nobody Ever Disagrees. That's the skating rink, isn't it? Right there. You know, I'm one of the few people, and this always, I'm going to say it because it irritates a lot of you, but I accept that I'm one of the few people, adults, even for that matter, sadly, college kids now like Journey. I don't like them at all. I think they suck. And I accept that I'm one of a few people that feels that way. But it's trash like this that, you know, outside of making out of the skating rink in about 1982, it really doesn't matter. So this would be Open Arms by Journey, and this would be 1982. It's conflicting. It says 82 on there, but it also says on Wikipedia that it was recorded in 81. So I think you're both right. I'm both right. Yeah. Okay. I can't stand it. Well deserving of songs that suck. All right, here's to the... I'm not going to do it, but I'll encourage you to do it. The popular thing for fans to do, and that is... The refs suck, Jeff. They always suck. They're out to get us. Full disclosure, I grew up as the son of an official college and NFL. Heck, for that matter, when I was a little kid, I was running the, the chains, the Dow markers. I mean, I'm a little kid running the Dow markers growing up uh, for my dad doing high school games. Then went on to college games, NFL games. So I've been down there. I've heard it all. Trust me. I've heard it all on the field and from the stands. So I get it. The refs suck. They're out to get us. They're not, but you can, you can think that if you'd like. But it's now a popular thing for players. 
And there's a few ways of looking at this. You know, one of these things is like, um, is it really is, it's one of these issues where are things different now or have they always been this way and we just hear more of it now? Here's what the players are doing now. And I think it's really important because it's superstar players. The refs suck and this has to change. So the fans are, the refs suck, they're out to get us, fill in the blank. The players, these are star players, the refs suck and this has to change. Complaining about the officials, trust me, is not new. Okay? All the ways you can complain about officials, that part is new. When you think about it. Now, I know we're, you know, we live in a time where technology is so common that it feels like it's been around a while. But if you look at what you're able to do, what you're able to see on any given day, any given moment, within seconds of a play happening in an NFL game, you're able to see it in freeze frame, you're able to play it back, you're able to share it. Um, So we live absolutely in the moment. And that's different. Our ability to complain and make noise is far different than it's ever been. The noise we're making isn't different. So do I think NFL officiating, I do think college officiating is terrible. I do. Uh, because I think the game is messed up. I think the game has no, no flow. Replay has no flow. So I'm not even sure I blame it on the officials themselves. The construct of college football, I say this as a football nerd, the construct of college football is it's just clunky. It's hard, to, it's hard to get a game going. It's hard to have flow. So, yeah, the officiating's bad. The officiating makes the game clunky, and the clunky game makes bad officiating. And I'm not kidding. But the NFL, where everything is supposed to be perfection, the industry that makes a bunch of money strives to be perfect in everything that it does. So is, is officiating in the NFL better or worse than it's ever been? Um, it's probably better. Yeah. Maybe not by much. I mean, I can hear my dad complain about some stuff, but yeah, probably better. So just remember, you can analyze. You can see it. You can, you can, you can zoom in on it every play. Okay? You get to scrutinize every single call, and you get to do it almost the moment it happens. So access to split-second decisions and our ability to rant about split-second decisions and see split-second decisions is all new, right? I mean, it used to be you have to wait for the highlights later before you would cuss my dad. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with it. It's like everything else in our world. I mean, our ability to instantly sound off is how we live, and I'm cool with that. But it's in a different place now. Think about this past week. And think about this from the player's perspective. Two of the biggest names in the entire game today, two of the faces of the game today, two of the young megastars of the game today, they're going somewhere where historically players would not go. And if you want to say, I notice how the NFL selectively won't punish these guys, I think you're going to be right about that. But the fact that these two guys go off is newsworthy. The biggest star in the game is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, as everyone now knows, went absolutely toddler-like crazy this past week or earlier in the week. He did apologize. I think the guy, you know, the apology was about as good as he could do. He went crazy over an offsides call that was the right call. Okay? 
it, it, we all got to see it. Like the guy's foot is across the line. It's it's offside. It's dumb. It cost them a game. I think one of the comments he made because I think he's a sharp guy who has great insight and is very aware of where he is in the game today. When he made the comment, the brilliant comment that that hurts that the call hurts the legacy of Travis Kelsey. He's right. Travis Kelsey will be in the Hall of Fame, but that play would be talked about and replayed countless times, and the legacy of, of Travis Kelsey would grow. So Mahomes knows exactly where he is. He, know he, where he's, he knows where he is in the media world. He knows where he is on the field. He knows his impact and his place in the game. And he corrected himself and apologized, but he went crazy. And his complaint was... Nobody makes that call. Don't make that call. Yeah, yeah, it's offsides. Don't make that call. Look the other way. Nobody really makes that call. That was his position. He's wrong. He's wrong because had the call not been made, and within seconds on, on, the, on the game itself, everyone would have seen it's offsides. The flag was thrown instantly. That's how clear it was. But his position... Oh, come on, man. Nobody makes that call. You got to let that go. Now, Micah Parsons, the guy that will soon be the highest paid defensive player, not in the game now, ever. Micah Parsons will soon be the highest paid defensive player the game has ever known. Okay? He's ranted now. And he went even, he didn't go crazy like Patrick Mahomes, but he's ranting and ranting and ranting. And I like Micah Parsons. I mean, he's a fabulous player. I'll tell you a funny thing about Micah Parsons. Uh, Thomas Henderson, great player for the Cowboys back in the day. Crazy story of Thomas Henderson. One of the greatest defensive athletes ever to play the game. Thomas Henderson was Lawrence Taylor before Lawrence Taylor. Thomas Henderson was Micah Parsons before Micah Parsons. That kind of, that kind of player. He said something to me really interesting. He said, Micah Parsons is playing too hard. He's going to end up getting hurt. It was really interesting. But I love Micah Parsons as a player. Everybody does. He is a he wrecks the game. He is relentless. He is nonstop. Uh, there's just everything to love about the way the guy plays the game. He is passionate, and he is ridiculously talented. I kind of enjoy Micah Parsons off the field, too. He is, he's a new generation that has media access. He does his own podcasts. And I'm really curious if the NFL is going to tell him to shut up because Micah Parsons, who you can't say he's a dude who's just whining and complaining and doesn't care. That's not true. That guy comes and brings it every week. He loves what he does. Almost to a fault. But Micah Parsons is incredibly open off the field. And... It's both endearing and aggravating at the same time because he's a sharp guy who cares. He is ranting for the exact opposite reason of Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, if you're the NFL, two of your biggest stars in one week are just going off on officiating. What are you going to do? You leave them alone? Because if this were the average player, they would have already been fined. So he's doing just the opposite of what Mahomes is saying. Micah Parsons now goes off and says officials aren't making the calls. He's flipping out 
because he believes that he is held all the time. Is he right? Yeah, mostly. <laughs> yeah. He's gone all in on ignoring me. They don't listen to me. Uh, they're, they're doing it on purpose, you know, all that stuff. And I think he's right. I don't think the NFL is going to like that he's saying this. I don't think the NFL is going to like that he's owning this. I don't think the NFL is going to like the fact that he's mostly right about this. He's getting held all the time, he's saying. And one of the things he brings up is he's getting held away from the play. In other words, play says play's going left or is going left and Micah Parsons is on the opposite side. He's saying officials are blowing it off that he's being held because they assume he can't get there and make the play. And he's arguing, man, I can run anything down. I'll go make that play. He might be right. So how do you want it? Because I'm going to guess that you don't want holding called on Micah Parsons all the time. Now, you're a Cowboys face painter. You're going to say, sure, right on. But here's the reality. Mahomes is saying, don't make the call. Micah Parsons is saying, you need to make the call. And what you want is, you want him to be held a lot of the time because you like scoring and you want quarterbacks to be healthy. Because if somebody didn't grab Micah Parsons, someone's going to get hurt. That someone's going to be a quarterback and nobody wants that. All right, he said this. And I don't know that he's wrong. Micah Parsons says he's being held on almost every play and would like to see coaches given more options to challenge a play where penalties should have been called. That right there is a pretty interesting discussion, nerdy football discussion all by itself. Uh, This is something Bill Belichick has maintained for years, and that is we should be able to pick any play we want to review. Now, I'm going to tell you, you don't want that for a couple of reasons. One, you don't want this to end up like college football and it takes forever. You don't want to limit the challenges. You don't want these fairly smart coaches to muck things up by reviewing everything. Number two, you don't want holding called all the time. You would like, as fans in general, you would like Micah Parsons being held some. Otherwise, he's going to wreck a quarterback. He says, quote, people say when you come over and talk to a referee nicely, he's going to want to do his job right. But in my eyes, why would I have to talk to you any kind of way if you just did your job the first time? Parsons thinks that officials are not being held accountable for their bad performances. Um, I don't know that's entirely true either. He says, quote, they don't care. They're not getting checks in the mail or notes in the mail about things like that. That's the only problem I have. It's just like they don't care, and when you tell them, it's just like, oh, you're away from the play. You can't make that play. How are you telling me what I can make? You and my body, you and my abilities, you can't make that play. I'm different. I can make every play. <laughs> he's got it right. Um, I, it's, he's going pretty far. He's basically accusing the league of saying, man, you guys don't give a flip about this. You don't care about me complaining. You know that I'm right. You still don't care. And I think Micah Parsons is sort of right about that. I wonder if the league will find him. It's an interesting lead up to a big game with Buffalo. It's an interesting, it's an interesting setup with the two biggest stars of the game today on each side of the ball, each making different rants in completely different ways. Um, yeah, he, 
I don't blame him for complaining. I blame I don't blame him as much as I blamed Mahomes. And I think Mahomes finally came to his senses and thought, man, I'm a little ridiculous. I don't think Micah Parsons is going to stop between now and the end of the season or the end of his career and say, man, you know, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I don't think he's going to say that. He's held a lot, but you want holding and you want it more often. In fact, I think that what's going to happen with holding, holding just so you know, if you just want to sort of follow, gosh, I mean, isn't holding on every play? Yeah, sort of. And so like a fundamental nerdy way of looking at holding, next time you watch a game, just remember if a, if a lineman's hands, okay, so they, can, they shove with their hand, their thumbs together and grab a hold. If their hands get spread out, that's when holding will be called. If an official in the moment with all these bodies flying around can see their hands get outside or near the shoulder pads, holding will be called. If the hands are inside the shoulder pads, the shoulders, then it likely won't be called. That's kind of how it follows. What happens to either one of them? Um, one star says they call too much. The next star says they don't call enough and they don't care about us. And now the league can't like the two biggest names in the game calling them out on a big, big week. What does the league do? Does the league treat them like they were a fifth-round pick? Does the league find them like they were any other player? Does the league even listen to them? All right, 512-834-1027. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Good luck to you. Name the song. The artist. And they called it Puppy Love. And the year. And I don't really know how this happened or why this is playing right now. It's remarkable. going in that would be the great Donny Osmond I believe it's been covered by yeesh. who covered that was that Michael Did Michael no no Michael Jackson that's the great Donny Osmond um, puppy love Paul Anka Paul Anka yeah he's one of them Probably wrote it. Someone help me, help me, help me, please. Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think the Osmonds were before me. I don't. Oddly enough, my only experience with the Osmonds is I'm sitting having a uh, cup of coffee in Vegas. I look out the window and I think, huh, I'm here fairly often. I've never noticed that 
30-story painting of Donny Osmond on the side of a building. This is incredible. Huh. I didn't know he was alive, and I can't even imagine what the crowd is like. What is the crowd like that goes in to see the Donny and Marie show present day? That's all I could think about. Having a cup of coffee. Thinking, who would go in there tonight? Who is that? How cold they must they be? But, you know, the guy looks pretty good. So I don't know what I'm even saying here. Uh, Donny Osmond, Puppy Love, I'm going to say 1972. Nailed it. Get out of here. Can you guess how old he was for this song? Wow. Um... Well, you know, how, how old is he or how old does he sound? <laughs> how old is he? Okay. And when he did the song, recorded the song, oh gosh. 1972. 72. I mean, I'm trying to do some math. I'm not going to do the math. I'm going to say that Donny Osmond was eight years old. Uh, higher. He was 14. Oh. 14 years old. Whatever. But still, he, he sounds, sounds like he's eight. He sounds yeah. like he's five. <laughs> he sounds five. The guy has aged incredibly well, though. You know what? Is he still alive? Am I messing this whole thing up? He's alive. Okay. Is anyone dead that I'm talking about right now? Because didn't the Osmonds have a show? When I was a kid, I remember in the 70s, every artist had a show. I assume they did. So I have no idea how that made it in. No one is arguing that the song sucks. I just didn't know that it was mainstream enough to even matter to register on the radar. Of songs that suck, but it but it did. Wow. I'll anticipate we don't anything that sounds that old. That might be the oldest sounding song ever played on the very popular and much loved songs that suck. Wow. Uh, that's <laughs> that's too much to take. The entire, I know this because I'm at a, I'm at a, giving a speech earlier today, sitting at a table, having the salad. This is midday, had not even finished the salad. And a guy I'm sitting next to is on his phone and he goes, well, my brother just got fired. I thought, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. Well, what happened? I mean, and he goes, oh, my brother's with the Chargers. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, probably so. So, I don't know if he meant his brother's an assistant coach for the San, for the Los Angeles Chargers. We can now say this: Brandon Staley finally got fired, and it took something pretty extreme to get him fired. And we chatted a little bit about his brother's assistant coach on the Chargers staff and how he admitted they've Staley had done some really stupid things. You know, like he couldn't believe it. He, he took the job like most people thinking, wait a minute, the Chargers have got some stuff here. They got, they've got, there's something to work with with the Chargers. That's what's amazing about the Chargers. They really don't suck this badly. They don't. The Patriots do. The, Air, the Cardinals at times do. The Chargers should be much better. I'd, I'd assume most of you now know they're behind against the Raiders last night. You know how many points the Raiders scored who they fired their coach too? You know how many points the Raiders scored a week ago? 
Zero. Do you know how many they had at halftime last night against the Chargers, whose coach, Brandon Staley, former coach, was a defensive mind who called the defensive signals? The Raiders had 49 at the half. They had 56 at the end of the third quarter. They got whacked. I asked him, so he said, yeah, he's got a little bit of time left in his contract. Well, that's good news. He said he didn't buy a house in California. I said, that's good news, too. Would they hire Bill Belichick? And he said, no. He said, I don't think so. So would they hire Jim Harbaugh? They might. Now, the guy I'm talking to is not coaching for them. It's his brother's coach. He's got a couple brothers in the business. Uh, we know known each other. Um, and he'd, he'd said, just shrug your shoulders. That's, that's the game. That's the business. It's tough. Um, but he just said he didn't think they would hire Bill Belichick. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. People, Donald Trump's favorite. In the Navy is actually the name of the song. I know it's confusing. Oh boy. Uh, 19. Uh, 84. 79. Really? 70s again. Yeah, this goes. Yeah, this goes. Okay. That feels like it take a lot of cocaine for that. Okay. That is a, that's a lot of cocaine for that particular thing. Oh, here's what's reported now about the uh, firing of the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. <laughs> that thing is so long in coming. Oh, my gosh. His line last night was, I have confidence in my ability. Did you see the scoreboard, sir? Really? That's an NFL game. That's not a high school game. That's not even a college game or some directional school. That's an NFL game. You gave up 63 points. You gave up 63 to a team that scored zero last week. Zero. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, man, what a meltdown. They had to do it. I just... The, the, all right, here's what's reported. Uh, NF, uh, TheAthletic.com, Chargers fire coach Brandon Staley, general manager Tom Telesco after blowout loss to, you don't say. Uh, Giff Smith is the interim coach, and JoJo Wooden is interim general manager. Um, okay, well, hey, here's the upside, guys. There's no way it gets worse. No way. Um, I, 
I don't even, yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not even quite sure at halftime, if you're the coach, when you're down 49 zip in the NFL against a team that scored zero, I'm not sure it's not the time to quit yourself. Like, guys, I'm out. Heading down the strip, gonna go play some cards. I'm out. It's 49 zip. I'm out. Couldn't pull it off. I'm out. Or someone stops you on the way out. Hey, bud, it's 49-0 to a team that scored zero last week. You're not going back out. I get an Uber, head down, to get a, get a hotel, play cards all night, lose your ass for all we care, but I don't think it's a good idea you trot back out with the team. I don't know anyone that could debate that. Instead, he went back out with the team and they gave up 63. 63 to the Raiders. That's not Dak Prescott in Dallas scoring 63. That's the Raiders who are one of the worst offenses in football scoring 63. And they had to stop and try not to score more. That's how ridiculous it was. Um, What to do now? What to do now with a pretty decent roster and... Uh, pretty decent skill sets and decent personnel. <sighs> do you go old man? Do you? I mean, do you tell Bill Belichick, hey, Bill, here, here you go. Here are the keys. Can't get much worse, old man. I kind of think you do. Um, but I get the arguments otherwise because it's not like he's leaving a great situation himself. So, you know, it's a, it's a team that's that's not. Here's the funny thing: it's not. They're not Carolina. They're not Carolina. I mean, Carolina is light years away. The Chargers are aren't that far away. In fact, a lot of money felt that they would be in the playoffs this year. So, you know, who's like? You need a slight push. You obviously need direction. You obviously need someone to rein everybody in and get them to buy in and get them to at least, you know, care about going to work. But that is the job description. Okay. And I don't think it's that far off. Is that Bill Belichick? I honestly, I mean, a year ago, I'd say yes. Two years ago, absolutely yes. I, I don't know if I'm saying yes right now. I don't know if young energy works or old non energy works. It's, I think it's a tougher call than people realize because the trend is you go and hire some offensive nerdy guy, Kellen Moore, and then you give him the keys and say, fix the offense. That, that's the template of today. That's, a, that's what owners outside of Jerry Jones have been doing. That is, find a guy, find the next Mike McDaniel and nerdy guy who never played football and say, you need to just design some stuff and uh, you know find a way for us to score 50 a week. Or do you go old school, the oldest of old school, and go Bill Belichick and say, Bill, the defense sucks. We do have some decent players. Can you motivate them? Can you get them on the same page? You don't even have to make that many personnel moves. In fact, we'd probably, Bill, prefer that you not do that because you kind of messed that up before. Just come in here and coach. Would he do it? Would you do it if you own that team? You don't own Carolina. You got a lot. It's a lot different. I'm not even sure you own the Cardinals. I think it's different than that. 
you know, this is not this is not a top five roster. It's not even a top ten roster, but it's probably between ten and twenty. It's not a dumpster fire. That's the point. What happened last night is a dumpster fire. Where that roster is and where that franchise could go, it's not a dumpster fire. I think there's actually something there. I just don't know who pushes the right buttons. If you can get a 71-year-old Bill Belichick and say, Bill, here's your incentive. Go get that winning record. Become the all-time winningest coach as a Charger. That's your goal. You want to be known as that? Go do it. Just go do it, man. Just please don't have the guys bail it in, mail it in, and get 63 points on them. Does he have the energy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how you figure that out with him. I don't think he's the kind of guy at this stage in life and or his career that needs to be grilled in an interview. I think he thinks, are you going to hire me or not? Are you going to offer me the job and the keys to the car or not? Otherwise, I don't need that time and I don't need to be grilled about who I am and where I'm going. It's an interesting move. It really is. I think he'd jump at it. I think he can add up. I think he's trying to chase 17 wins or whatever that number is now. And I think if he were smart and that's all he cares about, I think the Chargers might be his best chance to get there. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Yes, soccer moms, it sucks. You can rock out in a minivan all you want. It sucks. Name the artist of the year, the song. Duh. Bon Jovi. Shot through the heart. 1987. You give love a bad name. Oh. Oh, yeah. Close right. enough. That's close enough. In 1986. All right. 37 years old. Yep. His roots are more dyed than ever. All right. Uh, some of the comments on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this particular week. Um, at Jeff Ward's show, you know, the coach that needs to sign up with Tide, Tide as in the detergent, by the way, is Bill Belichick to get the stains out of his dumpster sweatshirt. Has Bill Belichick ever been in an ad? Wasn't Bill Belichick in an ad with Tom Brady? Wasn't he? Am I delirious? Was it not Subway? Post-Jared going to prison Subway? Wasn't that Bill Belichick? It was kind of funny. So... The Subway story with Jared is remarkable on a number of levels, including horrible. They hired Jared, real guy, I believe at the time was a student at uh, Indiana, fat guy. And he, and he chronicled his weight loss eating at Subway all the time. They ended up hiring him, and it really took the business to another level. More franchises, all that stuff. Then Jared, of course, turned out to be a dangerous criminal perv. And he sits in prison. So Subway tries, you know, as best they can to bounce back from that. If I'm not mistaken, they hired Tom Brady. And then 
wasn't Bill Belichick in one of those ads, and it was kind of funny, where he cuts off someone's tie or he gets his tie? I don't know what. It was weird. But that's the only ad I've ever seen Bill Belichick in. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure no one's hiring him, at least for a speaking role. I mean, you, you just... I mean, it'd be, the Tide part is funny. Like, he takes off one of those sweatshirts after a game and throws it in there without any spoke, any, any words whatsoever. It's just the visual of Bill Belichick taking it off, washing it, and putting it back on. And it's still one of those bad sweatshirts. I kind of like the idea. Uh, at Jeff Ward show, you don't think Murphy, Malik Murphy's teammates, are supportive of him leaving, knowing the money and opportunity at stake for him? Um, maybe, you know, it's, um, I mean, that's usually my argument for any player that wants to go and make money, college player that wants to go and make money, is that his teammates are in agreement. They'd be doing the same. I, I, th- I think the situation with Texas being in the Final Four is different. I'm not sure I'm convinced that his teammates are that on board with him going. I'm not saying they want to diss the guy. I'm not saying they turn on the guy. I don't think it's that dramatic. I don't think it's as easy as it normally is because you're in the Final Four. And if you're, if, if, if you are the backup quarterback and the first guy off the bench, I've said, I think you ought to, I think you ought to play. I do. It's different. I, I don't I don't buy I know what everyone's saying well he's got to go take some money someone's gonna hand him some money um I don't know that I buy that someone wants you if they want you now they're gonna want you in a month or two you know I I don't I don't buy that I, mean, I just I just don't and if anybody's holding him hostage like that I'm not sure I believe the deal so the argument out there is this kid has to has to leave now. He has to go wherever he's going to go because he, they're going to hold it against him that he has to take a job because the money is going to be dangled in front of him. Um, I, I'm not saying that's the wrong take. I just don't know that I buy it. And that is if somebody wants Malik Murphy to be in competition for their starting quarterback job and they want him for this spring and next season, I don't think two, three, four weeks, even two months is going to matter that much. I don't. I don't deny that some coach is holding it against him, but I'm not sure that's the job you want. I hate to use this example, but I'll use the example again. I don't think in this particular case two weeks' notice is that bad of a thing to do. I don't. You're in the Final Four. You may never see it again. Your teammates may never see it again. Um, so it's, it's, it's a game changer. So I'm not sure I'm completely convinced in this particular case, all of his teammates are completely on board. I don't know that I, I buy that. I don't. Did he ask him? I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. I think if you're in the Final Four, you probably should show up and play in the Final Four. I do. I know that's uh, that's not true of any other week, any other time. I, I'm an advocate for guys to just shut it down during the season when you've got nothing to play for. Right now, you got everything to play for. 
one of the big storylines out there, and I don't think this is wrong either, is that, you know, it sucks for this guy that he has to hear all this cheering for Arch Manning. It does. Yeah. But if he's first off the bench in a semifinal or final, he's the number one reliever if and when his quarterback gets hurt, you play. You play. You play and you tell whoever wants you next, hey, hey, come on. You would do the same if you were me. I owe it to these guys. We're in the final four, man. This is not the Cotton Bowl. I think another coach would understand. I would think another coach would respect that. I find it hard to believe they're respecting you if they're withholding money to get you to leave your team for the final four. I would kind of have a problem with that. Then again, I'm sitting in a dark room by myself, and I'm not in his spot. I don't think it's all that ethical, and I think most people would advise him, be careful of who it is you're getting in bed with if this is the way they're going to treat you, knowing you're about to play in the Final Four. I think that's too icky. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.